0: The funny one, Robert! Big whiffer! Big whiffer! Oh, he is a natural athlete and I am so worthless. Please, God, take his life. Make him die.
1: No better! No better! Good evening. Welcome to your Game 3 post-game wrap-up uh, of a 4-3 loss uh, by the Rays to the Rangers. This is Jason Colette joined tonight by Kevin Gengler. Um, we warn you in advance, if we have some language issues, oh frickin' well, because uh, this was not, <laughs> uh, not an easy game to watch. Uh, uh, another frustrating game where David Price pitches rather well, gets no-run support, and the Rays give up the game later in the innings uh, and lose. Kevin, is that pretty much summing up?
0: Uh, that sums up just about every David
1: Price start, doesn't it? It pretty much does. You know, we were talking uh, before we got on the air. We look at David Price's losses. Uh, you know, if you look at uh, over the season, uh, as far as, uh, you know, baseball reference talks about runs scored and in the innings pitched by that starting pitcher, a lot of people will bitch about the ru- the lack of the run support that James Shields get. Guess what? He and David Price have the exact same number, 3.8 runs a game. If you look at it by runs scored in the starts that these guys, not just the innings, but the starts, David Price is the lowest total on the team with 4.0 runs a game. If you look at the league average, that's 4.5 runs a game. So this team, you know, David Price. People will complain that he, you know, he's not clutch and that he gives up a lead in an opportune time. Well, if you give up a two-run home run in the seventh inning and that gives up the lead, is that his fault or is that
0: the offense's fault? No, David Price really was not the problem tonight. And I think most people are going to focus on the whole J.P. Howell oh yes, which I'm sure we'll get into, but. I mean, Price all year, I mean, maybe he hasn't been or he hasn't had that one dominant start where he just goes like eight innings, zero earned runs that apparently everybody expects every time. But he, he has not been the race problem this no, year.
1: No, I and mean, we look at it, you know, this is, if you count the regular season, this is now the 14th loss for David Price this year. Uh, and, and you know, so we have 14 losses um, along the lines, and he, you know, you look at, 12 runs – now 13 games in which the team has scored two or less runs when he's been on the mound, Uh, that's ridiculous. They've been shut out three times. Uh, If you look at zero to one run games, nine of those – Two times have they scored, uh, you know, two or less runs. If you want to go into three, that's thirteen games. So 13, 13 of his losses there. This is what we're looking at. So it's really tough for him to, uh, you know, it's, it's a fine line he's got to walk. And tonight that was it. Uh, you the home run you kind of got deflated, uh, but then again after the home run, uh, there was definitely a chance to win this game. But. Once, once again, this bullpen management situation with uh, Joe Madden and JP Howell is, is a head scratcher because they had bases loaded, and uh, JP Howell comes in. And we, if you know, if you got a short memory, you forget what was it, two thousand nine, when he gave up the grand slam to Josh Hamilton at uh, Tropicana Field yep. when, when it was bases loaded. But you know, what you saw JP Howell being called in by Joe Madden. What were your immediate thoughts?
0: I mean, I just thought back to when the postseason roster was announced. And pretty much everybody's question is, J.P. Howell, really? And it was like him and Elliot Johnson were the people that were the two that re, people really couldn't figure out what they were doing. And I think you saw them both tonight, where Howell obviously gave up the big—I guess it was a was it a single or a double? It was a single. single right? it scored two runs. Right. And then in the ninth, I mean, you were stuck with Kelly Shopik hitting against a right-handed pitcher, which is never good. With L.A. Johnson on the bench, and if he's not going to hit there, I mean, he's just kind of a waste of a roster spot.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is, and you know, Kevin Goldstein and I were going back and forth on Twitter about this, about roster construction. Now, this was, you know, the raised hands were kind of limited here. People was like, "Where's Dan Johnson?" Well, Dan Johnson wasn't called up until September 14th, so he wasn't eligible for this roster. You know, if the team had left Justin Ruggiano on the disabled list with right knee tendonitis or whatever the heck they used to put him on the disabled list uh, in early August, they could have done something. But they, you know, they activate Dutch. Justin Ruggiano, he does you know, 11 at-bats uh, in the month of September, uh, and they didn't put him on the roster. But uh, this is one of those things where Brandon Geyer wasn't called up until September 1st, or he wasn't eligible, and there was no loophole. I mean, there was no 60-day guy on the DL as there has been for this team in the past in the offense, so there was no loophole. But if anything, I mean, if you look at realistically, you go back to September 1st, you're nine games out of it. I don't know if anybody would have accelerated call-ups knowing you were nine games out of it at the time. Uh, he made a point about... Sam Fold being on the roster about three months too long. It's not. It's tough not to argue that because after the the nice run that he had earlier in the season, it was you know the more exposure he got, the worse it got. Uh, and Brandon Geyer, again is, is the future of the team. And, and back then, if you thought the team was out of contention, why not play some of your future pieces? Uh, but this definitely the bench here to be able to pinch it. The the opportunities are extremely limited on the bench. I mean, the fact that you again had to pitch it with with Shoppik uh, versus a, a fireballing right handed guy like know, You've got a left-handed catcher and Lobatone that you could have brought off the uh, bench, but Lobatone's bat is just not there, um, and it really limited what they could do with roster stuff. But getting back to JP Howell, to me, it was again the first. off to me, was a grand slam, and then after that, it's like where the hell is where the hell is Joel Peralta? Just like we were bitching about this yeah, in game two. Uh, you know, if you look at high, high leverage situations for the Rays this year, if we just look, you know, straight high leverage, there's been two pitchers worse than JP Howell. Again, we're talking about a lot of small sample size, and you know, we're talking. And uh, forty-three plate appearances for J.P. Howell in high leverage, uh, and he's got an 883 OPS. The only two guys. But just real yeah, quick,
0: I was gonna say just real quick. This is a small sample size, but like you mentioned with two thousand nine, it really hasn't just been this year with Howell in high leverage. I mean, after two thousand eight, I don't think he's been great in high leverage situation. I mean, obviously he didn't pitch last year, but you know, two thousand nine and then this year he wasn't. Great high leverage. Sure, I mean
1: early. I, mean, I think early 2009, I'll give him stuff. But I mean, he started fading off there in July before he got hurt, and it was all downhill from right. there. But I mean, it was still, if we look at small sample size here, J.P. Howell, 8.83 OPS, high leverage. The Only guy's worse, Adam Russell, who's no longer on the team, and then Jake McGee. And but I mean, we'll say Jake McGee has you know half the plate appearances that he's shown. But Jake McGee in September looked night and day better than J.P. Howell ever did. Uh, then we look all the way up the list and see Joel Peralta with a 6.58 OPS and high leverage, and he's had a lot of high leverage. And we look at you know, left versus right, Joel Peralta, 435 OPS against left-handed batters. He's absolutely shut them down this year. Uh, you know, six walks, 34 strikeouts, held him to a 155 average. You jump over and look at how J.P. Howell's done against lefties, 581 OPS. So he's not even the best option there. Uh, for me, my again, after the Grand Slam, it was where the hell is Joel Peralta? This is what he does. Um, what, what was most disappointing to me is – uh, last season, we all laughed at how Ron Washington mismanaged his bullpen and gave and helped give the Rays wins in games three and four in Arlington. I feel tonight, Joe Madden gave one of those ones right back to the Rangers and Ron Washington.
0: Yeah, I think he did too. And like you said, we were talking about the bullpen usage after game two, and this worked up to. I mean, you know, in game two they didn't really use what they used Peralta late after after the home run to Moreland. And tonight, in a one run game, I just feel like, don't you have to use your best reliever there? I mean, it's the seventh inning. It's already pretty late in the game. I could see if it was, you know, a spot in the fifth inning, then you're trying to piece things together. But when it's a one run game in the seventh, I mean, that was the ball game right there. And I think you just have to use your best reliever. And, you know, not only has he been your best reliever, like you said. He's probably
1: the best option against lefties. Too. Yeah, it's, what's crazy is, you know, I tweeted this earlier, too. We look at the 2010 postseason and even back in the 2008 postseason, the Rays had one option and, as a left handed option. Last year it was Choate. That was it. So, you know, he's he's gone through a postseason using one left handed reliever. Now all of a sudden he has to have a second one on and a right hander that's extremely effective against lefties, and he still didn't use the right one. Uh, and so it's it, it's puzzling here. I mean, we can't put this all on, on you know, the bullpen management because the offense really did not deliver Uh, you know outside of Desmond Jennings with his home runs the offense really was not there Uh, you look overall team left on base six uh, hitting with runs and scoring position one for eight tonight Uh, the same kind of things that have plagued them in a lot of these starts where David Price has pitched well um, but has has walked away with either a no decision or a loss. Uh, and we've seen this now, I believe this is six starts in September um, that he's either taken he has no wins um, and he's had a, a couple of very tough no decisions. Uh, he got bailed out by the offense uh, in the last game of the regular season uh, in the Yankee uh, game. So he got bailed out by the offense there, but you know the rest of these it's it's been this same script over and over and over again.
0: I mean especially when the race came in. And took game one with Matt Moore and looks so good doing so. And you're like, alright, we took game one. We have Price and Shields coming up. I mean, to be down 2-1, it's it's got to be pretty demoralizing to the team, I would think, with your two aces on the mound. Well, yeah,
1: and I mean, now you got you have another rookie going back out tomorrow in Hellickson, uh to try to, you know, obviously has to win in order to send the series back to Texas. The unfortunate thing is you're going to have to see C.J. Wilson again. I don't know if he goes tomorrow or if he goes on, on Game 5, but you're going to have to see C.J. Wilson again in this series, uh, a guy that's dominated you four of the last five times you faced him. If you can catch lightning in a bottle again, uh, that would be fantastic. Uh, you know, C.J. Wilson did not look like the C.J. Wilson that we've seen. Seen the last few times uh, with that, but you know, tonight offensively is just disappointing. Especially, you know, you know BJ Upton is going to get a lot of crap about the caught stealing uh in that in late it was the eighth inning when that happened. But I mean, understand, mm-hmm. Mike Adams has not. Everybody who's tried to steal off Mike Adams this year has done so successfully. He's slow to home plate. It's just a you know a well. They you don't see a lot of two two pitch outs. They call a two two pitch out because they weren't afraid to walk Evan Longoria. I think it was another hitter at the plate. They may not have done that, but with Longoria as hot as he is, they're, even, even though he had struck out the three previous plate appearances, I don't think they're afraid to put Longoria on base. If you can get that pitch out on 2-2 and nail him just as Mike Napoli did, he was a difference of the game between the home run and throwing out BJ when he did in the eighth. That's a difference because Upton would have been on third base with the wild pitch later on the inning, and he would have scored the tying run.
0: Yeah, I don't have a problem with that at all because, I mean, Mike Adams is one of the best set of men in the game. And after Jennings homered and made it one run and then Upton got on, I mean, you're lucky to get a base runner on via walk against Adams. So trying to advance Upton, you know, I really don't have a problem with that. It's really probably not even an issue if Longoria and Joyce uh, don't walk behind him. But I think Adams, like you said, pitched around Longoria and then just didn't really have it against, um, against Joyce. I thought Johnny Damon had a pretty bad at bat against Mike Gonzalez. You're being
1: kind. Pretty bad is really, <laughs> really kind. That looked awful.
0: I mean, yeah, he's what he swung at two pitches out of the zone and took one in the zone. So that that didn't really help matters. And then. I mean, but going back to the Upton play, you know, playing for one run and trying to get into scoring position—that's that's probably the right play there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had I had no problem with him going. Uh, again, it was just a, a very well called pitch out uh, and, a, and yep. a very good throw. Uh, you know, anything else either way doesn't work out. Uh, but you know, then again, in the ninth, I wanted to send Sean Rodriguez to stay out of that game-ending double play. I mean, she, we know Shoppick's slow. He's hit the 13 double plays as a Ray now, 14, and that's not in a lot of playing time. And you know, I wanted to send Sean Rodriguez right there as well uh, and, and force action with that uh you know afterwards you know hindsight i was thinking you know how about just bunting him over shop is actually a pretty good bunner. uh you know you can lay it butt down get rodriguez over to second base and just stay out of the double play the double play was always a concern there um, and you know it ended up biting him in the butt and that's exactly how the game ended but you know again when you look at the offense we look at you know, two through seven i'm looking at uh oh for eight one for twelve two for sixteen three for seventeen three for nineteen with uh I believe three singles and uh three, four, six, seven strikeouts and uh two walks. So that's what the the heart of the lineup did. And it's tough to win. I don't care what David Price is if he's giving up one two one home run if the two through six of your got two through uh seven of your lineup is gonna do that, you're not gonna win
0: many ballgames. Yeah, I'm with you on Rodriguez. He was getting a pretty big lead too and Feliz was throwing over and you know he was close a few times. Uh, you know, I was like you. I was waiting for him to go to stay out of the double play. I mean, if he gets thrown out, he gets thrown out. You know, that's – but I think double play is a pretty big issue. And speaking of bunting, I was, well, I guess, not surprised, but I thought it, it might have been a good idea when you had fold up with second and third. You know, why not try a squeeze play there? I fold a pretty good bunter. He's got the speed. And I can't imagine Texas was playing too far up for him. The
1: only thing – I. Um... Usually in the past, they typically don't do that with a left-hander at the plate uh, f- because you, you get a good, clean look at the guy coming down the line and whatnot, but they typically do that with a right-hander because they want to push that action towards first base. Uh, so that's the only mm-hmm. thing. I, I had the same kind of thought, but then that kind of crossed my mind. But um, I think the other takeaway, you know, switching gears a little bit, I think the other takeaway from this is we hope we don't have to have John so behind the plate the rest of the series. <laughs> I mean, we're looking at Mike Napoli stole a base, and that's really all we have to say. But Mike Napoli stole a base, Craig Gentry stole two bases, Ian Kinsler stole, and none of these were even close. So they were four for four. Yeah, he wasn't even getting— Yeah, they were four for four and what stolen bases, say? and then the only one was the first pickoff of the game when they, when they rope-a-doped uh, Gentry when uh, Contra was playing inside a little bit, like, daring him to kind of go and not even hold him on the bag, and they ended up getting him at a pickoff. But the four throws down to second base were
0: all bad. Yeah, and there I think there was at least one or two where Jaso just ate the ball. He didn't even throw that's it. That's right. Then, that's partially that's on the – That's right. That's partially on the pitchers, but I mean, Jaso just did not look good. Back, no,
1: there. I mean, just I mean, we look at the season; we've known it. Uh, I mean, that's where your your give and take. At one point, when Jaso was hitting and Shapic wasn't, that was your give and take uh, because Shopik was better defensively. But you know, it should be more left handed pitching in Game Four and Five, so it really shouldn't matter. Uh, but you know, that that was another difference there because I you know, at least two of those guys came around to score, um, and that really hurts.
0: Yeah, especially when you talk about how the running game is such a big part for the Rays. It was really the Rangers that you know, use it to their advantage. And like you said, Napoli has just been great this se- this series, both on offense and defense. And, you know, where do we get a catcher like that? Is what I want. Yeah, why now? can't we
1: trade a garbage reliever for a catcher like that? You know, uh, <laughs> exactly. to the, thanks Alex Anthopoulos. Really, thank you. Uh, I mean, then again, the Rangers were only two for eight with runners in scoring position themselves, and they had people on base. They just couldn't play them. They had two hits. They had the Napoli two-run home run and the and the Hamilton two-run single. There's your four runs. There's your ball game. That's what they were able to do. Yeah. But I mean, otherwise, uh, you know, again, David Price pitched a lot better than he did last year against the Rangers uh, in the league divisional series and other parts of the bullpen. It's a shame that Brandon Gomes came in and, and, you know, walked the two guys he faced after looking so good in September. He just could not locate tonight. He, you know, I think it was a four pitch walk right out of the gate. Then he walked a couple of his second walk, had a couple of questionable strike zone calls and we, you know, we can bitch all night long about Dale Scott's zone, but I thought it was, I thought it was bad for both sides. I don't think he was leading any one way or the other, Um, but it was a bad zone.
0: Yeah, it was. And with Gomes, I'm not sure where exactly he became one of the high leverage relievers. I mean, yeah, he's he was pretty good in September, but he's also given up some pretty big hits. And granted, those were the left-handed batters and he just faced righties tonight. But, you know, he's still a rookie and he's not exactly, you know, one of the highly touted ones. So I'm... Not sure where along the line he really became a go-to guy. Right,
1: um, like I said, he's looked good in September. I'll give him that, uh, especially down the first uh, the last week there and whatnot. But I agree again. I would like to have seen McGee somewhere off because McG- I don't believe McGee pitched game two. Uh, did he? Um, he may have come in, but you know, tonight I was.
0: I think he came in and uh, hit a guy in that game.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, he was warming up tonight, uh, and he didn't pitch. So it would have been a case I'd rather see him. I want the guy with the best stuff, uh, and he's got the kind of stuff. He doesn't need to be a left-handed specialist. He can get both guys out. I want the guy with the best stuff in that case. So uh, I thought Cruz looked good for all the problems he's had of late. Cruz looked really good, and Peralta had a, had a nice ninth. But, um, again, this has the offense has got to score. I know it's a problem at home. Uh, you know, This is now the, the third straight sellout in 2011. The Rays have lost in front of um, in the early Start time uh, leaves you a real short, uh, real short time to forget about this game. But they absolutely have to uh, uh, get a win, and the good news is Hellickson pitches really well at home. Uh, so we'll see how it matches up against the Rangers tomorrow afternoon.
0: Yeah, and we just hope with Price getting no run support that the pattern sort of continues with Hellickson, who's gotten a lot of runs. Yeah, exactly.
1: Support. That's that's the good news is Jeremy Hellickson leads the team with five with 5.2 runs a, a game in the innings he starts. Um, and, and the games he starts, the Rays score six and a half runs a game. So it, the runs come uh, for Hellickson for some reason. They're there when he pitches. So we have to hope that that comes along, obviously, because you've got to win two now uh, to try to get on uh, to the next round. And we, we said the other day uh, – we didn't say you you weren't on this one. We said with, when Steve and I were talking over the weekend, you know, nobody expected the Rays to get here. But now that they're here, we want them to go further. Now we're greedy. It's like just like 2010 when the Rays won the division. We wanted them to go all the way. Now that because they they were you know miraculously able to get into the postseason doesn't change our outlook. We still want them to go all the way. And if the season ends tomorrow, we're gonna be just as pissed off as I was last year when it ended to the Rangers.
0: Yeah, and I think it's just frustrating the way they've been losing, you know, the two close games the last two days. I mean, if Texas just came in and swept us and dominated all three games, you just go, you know what, they're a better team, Rays, we're lucky to get in. But, I mean, there have been chances, and that's just what drives you crazy over and over again. Yeah,
1: it's, you know, hopefully, you know, I, I would love to see game five. If they go, if they take this thing all the way game five and lose in Texas, that'd be great. I, I don't want to see another home loss to the Rangers and have them celebrating here. Uh, in That's never a good sight to see. Um, you know, we, we know some people that are going to game four tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to be watching it uh, from Ohio. You'll be watching it from your home. Uh, but you know, it's never a good thing to see another team celebrate in your field. But uh, again, we know this team can play better than they've played tonight. It was still a great game. Just like it was yesterday uh, you know both tightly contested games that went the other team's way and, and again credit to the Rangers Juan Ron, Ron Washington has definitely learned from his mistakes last year uh, you just have to hope mm-hmm. that Joe Madden's learned from his mistakes the last two nights when it's, uh, last two games when it comes to his bullpen management because I think uh, this is not the kind of bullpen management that got Joe that got the Rays and Joe Madden this far he normally does better than this I just don't think he's been there right now
0: yeah me either, and tomorrow I'm actually gonna be at work, so I'll have to follow on like m l. b game day, which is even more frustrating mm. waiting for the page to refresh, but like you said if I mean if they can get it back to a game five, you have to figure that shields is gonna be ready to go. he can't boy well, he probably can't be as bad as he was in game two, so you know, I mean, if you get it to Game Five, you have a chance, and that's that's all they really. I mean, need. The,
1: the other, the last point I'll make is with this game, and we know the Rangers don't strike out a lot. Even tonight, they only struck out four times, and I think that actually plays very well in the Helixen's hand. I mean, we we know he doesn't strike out a lot of people lately, but he induces a lot of weak contact, and with how aggressive that the Rangers are in the you know in there at bats if hell is gonna do what he's continued to do here in the second half and get these guys to be out in front of balls infield fly uh you know infield pop-ups and whatnot weak fly balls i think this matchup plays very well into his hands especially that it's in tropicana field rather than uh the rangers launch park over there in arlington so i like the matchup tomorrow i'm very optimistic about tomorrow um but it really comes down to offense they've got to be there
0: yeah and i think they're facing matt harrison and not cj wilson so that should work to their advantage too with the offense. I mean, it's another lefty, but you know Harrison's not on a, on Wilson's level. So, I mean, with Helixson, I think the key is just going to be to work ahead of hitters because that's that's when he can get them off balance, when he can throw his off speed pitches or his fastball. You know, if he's behind and he has to come with the fastballs, I mean, we've seen what the Rangers can do with those.
1: Absolutely, yes, we have. Good thing. Hopefully, we, uh, Nelson Cruz can stay cool. The Nelson ha- Cruz has been invisible in this series after being such yep. a pain in the ass in last series. So hopefully, they can keep him invisible uh, because you know you saw this lineup. And then I was listening to the Ra- the audio feed because the bar didn't have the audio on, so I'm listening to Dave and Andy. And you know, this there's not a weak spot in the Rangers lineup. They're lucky. I mean, you look at the Rays lineup. You got Brignack, You got Jaso. You know, there are weak spots in the lineup. You hey, look at the Rangers, Gentry was on base 3 or 4 times tonight. That's a ninth place hitter. There is not a weak spot in that lineup. If Cruz hits the way he should, there isn't a weak spot in the lineup. Right now that weak spot's him. Uh, but yeah, with with the other guys in that lineup, they've got the pieces to carry it and it's just a matter of uh, can the Rays get that timely hit and we know, you know, the pitching's the pitching's been there for the most part except for you know one or two isolated incidents within a series, but the timely hitting has to show up tomorrow um, or everybody's going home.
0: Yeah, and let's just hope they can jump out to a pretty big lead and not have it come down to a battle of the bullpens again. Yeah, I'm— a- Because the Rays— <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, the Rays have gotten kind of lucky. They've gotten to Texas's bullpen in, in these two games, and— you know that's a really talented group and i don't know if they're going to be able to do it three or four times in a series Yeah, exactly
1: you're asking for a lot if you if you think you're going to be able to get mike adams one of the better relievers in all of baseball to be able to get him to do this again uh you know they've been able to get guys on against Feliz a little bit uh you know yuhara th- he was warming up today if they would have brought him in he was awful in texas in game one uh or game two rather so uh mm-hmm. we'll see what happens kyle farnsworth still hasn't you know he was available tonight uh, after earlier scares talking about his elbow but he was available tonight uh didn't get used Uh, so we'll see where it goes but you know optimistic about tomorrow with Helix and just again just hope the offense shows up because tonight was a real frustrating game to watch as Colby Lewis you know pitched really well moved it up moved it down in out and a lot of guys it almost seemed like people were swinging at 95 mile an hour fastballs when they were coming in at 89 because there was so much stuff pulled and the radio again the radio guys were talking about it Joe Matt even said it pregame you know get go the other way if you start pulling balls into Colby Lewis you are Playing right into his hands. And all day long, these guys were pulling balls right to the right side, you know, left, right part of the infield. Nobody was hitting it up the middle. Nobody was trying to go the other way. Um, And it it worked because it was just, it was. You know, From a just a, a non-biased pr- perspective, I th- I enjoyed watching Colby Lewis pitch. I mean, that's a guy with very pedestrian stuff that located the hell out of his pitches and frustrated um, hitters. Uh, and This is a guy in, going up against a guy that throws mid to upper 90s that wasn't able to locate his stuff every time needed, and he left out an unfortunate pitch in the seventh inning um, that was a difference maker.
0: Yeah, and the last point I'll make on the game with, with regards to Colby Lewis was in the bottom of the fourth, after Jennings homered, uh, Upton walked and stole second. And then Longoria struck out, Joyce struck out, and Damon struck out. And the Joyce and Damon ones, they were both up 3-0 in the count and couldn't couldn't get the runner home when he was in scoring position. And I think that, you know, would have been, <laughs> obviously it would have been nice to get another run that inning. But when they were ahead in the count, they couldn't really make anything happen. You know, like you said, Ghost did a good thing of mixing things up. And even when he was behind in the count, he could throw you know, a pitch on the outside corner where, you know, okay, you lay off it, that's one strike, you know, you foul another one off, that's two strikes, and then he comes back and strikes him out.
1: Maybe that's a secret. Maybe we should send J.P. Hal over to Japan. Maybe he can come back and see what happens. Because <laughs> I mean, Colby Lewis, if you remember, before he went to Japan was awful, garbage. Uh, whatever he did over yep. there, he learned how to pitch, pitch backwards, pitch to contact, locate well, because it's been an amazing thing um, to watch him pitch uh, since he's come back. Maybe that's a secret with Howell. Uh, so we'll see you again tomorrow. All right, uh for Kevin, this is Jason and let's go raising game four. See you later.